Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning, Shushan Purim. <clears throat> you can tell my voice a little shot. Uh, I don't. I was thinking maybe I'll savor the part I put together for Purim this year, but I think now that Purim's over, you're probably not interested in that. So let's have leftover this week to do the uh, Haftorah. I'm going to do that right now. It's a very interesting Haftorah. Today's podcast is being sponsored by a friend I made recently, Rabbi Schwarzenberg, from New York, from Brooklyn, I think, and uh, was connected with the, has his own yeshiva and teaching the Chaim Berlin and all the rest of it. Very nice to make his acquaintance. Um, the other day, he has relatives in Baltimore, and uh, this Rabbi Schwartzberg um, is, is, as I said before, sponsoring today's Haftorah, um, and we're grateful. Uh, the Haftorah today, as I said before, was kind of, um, uh, the Haftorah today, like last week, is funny and not funny, meaning there's a certain dissonance. Vayikra and Sal was all about the nitty-gritty of the Carbonus down to the nth degree, nth degree of, of detail. And yet the prophets of Israel that are quoted, particularly today's after, which is from Jeremiah, um, the famous chapter 7 and 8, is sort of like anti-Karbonus. Or at least it seems that way. And there's a very interesting uh, Rambam, Mernavuchim, exactly on this subject. So what am I talking about? For those of you who just finished the Gemara Miguel like I did, you may possibly recall that um, in the third parak, uh, there's a reference to our Haftorah today because it says that a Haftorah is only supposed to be at least 20 Mamsukim. And they say, well, we do this one that doesn't have 20 Mamsukim. At the top of 23b, Maski Vilaraba, Hari Olo Sechim Safu, the Lahavi Esrim Bechad Bekarinon, there's less than 20 Mamsukim. I think today they add on a few to make it 21. And the Gemara says, Shiny Hosm Basal Kinyana. Okay? That, um, what he called Shainos and Sarkinyana, that uh, it's different over there because it's an entire contained Indian. Uh, that's just a reference to our Haftorah. Now, what's going on over here? It's very bitter. The whole Jeremiah is a pretty bitter book. The guy lived in a time of a tremendous decline, and he could not affect it. You know, so that's what makes it so, uh, what's the right word, frustrating. You know, uh, the whole book of he's, he's told beforehand, you're going to give him a listen, and they're not going to listen, and just get used to it. You know, and you're not, and you're going to be like Cassandra. You're going to foresee the downfall, destruction of base Middash, Tishua, but all the rest of it, the Gaulus, and you're not going to be able to stop it. So that's a very uh, depressing kind of thing. And Hanami, Yemiel was that type of person. That was his fate from the very beginning of the book. So <clears throat> here we are to have to today in Sav, which I say is all about the different Karbonas, like Vayikra was. And Hashem told Yemiel to stand at, at, at the gate earlier in the base of Middash. I told you, whenever we do Haftorah, they just tear out from context. You understand? Really, beginning of chapter 7. And I know there's a glacier thing, chapter 7, but nevertheless, it is the beginning of an Indian. Hashem tells the prophet Yermiel to stand at the gateway of the base of Migdash and say, you're doing it all wrong. So, you, And you can just imagine how popular that's going to make him feel, make him sound. Stand at the gate and proclaim the words. All of you enter over here. Mend your ways and deeds, and I'll settle this place. Don't put your trust in vanity. That this building is God's temple, 
and God's temple and God's temple. So notice you see clearly over there that the people had allowed the carbonic system to degenerate, which is the Rambam would say is an intrinsic problem with the whole carbonic system. I'll say it again, it's an intrinsic problem with the whole sacrificial system. It's one of the reasons we don't have it today. Okay? Right? Listen to this, all Yehuda. If you do to if you improve your ways, notice if you do to Shuva Lamaisa, you know, in other words, if you change your lifestyle and start doing the mitzvahs, then things will be okay. But you see, the people at that time used the carbonus in the place of a mitzvah. Don't bother me about Shabbos. Don't bother me about Kashas. Don't bother me, Benom Lachaverum. I should give more tzedakah or let the slaves go free, whatever the problems were at that time. I do carbonus. It's a little bit like somebody too would say, I don't have to keep all these things. I give a lot of tzedakah. There's no question that tzedakah is important. No question at all. Matter of fact, Sadaq is more important than a carbonus because the carbonus, nobody gets anything out of it. Hashem doesn't need it, and Sadaq goes to a person, but it doesn't take the place. I repeat, it doesn't take the place of the mitzvahs. And that was the big problem at the time of Yirmiyahu. And by the time you get to our Haftorah today, you know, he, he's just building up in bitterness, you understand? And when he says like this, he says, uh, call, this is the first passage in our Haftorah today. Komar Hashem, Heck with your carbonola. As you and I know, a carbonola is cool Hashem, right? A carbonola, the person doesn't get anything out of it. The whole, all the meat is burned up. And so a person's like, ooh, I'm real from, I'm bringing an animal, I'm getting zero out of it. And Hashem is, call my Hashem, Hashem is saying this, you know something? Eat the ola. <laughs> You're not doing me a favor. Add your carbonolas to your shlamims. In other words, you ain't doing me a favor by 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 offering a carbon that doesn't have any food for the human being. You can have it. And then he says something very remarkable, which has been the basis for a lot of people down the centuries and in modern times as well to say that Carbonus are baloney. That's the modern reform movement and all that. But you know, but but look, it says, Kilo di Bartis Abazekim, Velocivisim Biom Hosio Somiers I never commanded the Jews when they left Egypt to do any carbonus. Now, what does that mean? That's not true. Um, <laughs> what's our Haftorah? Um, what's our Sedra today? Vayikro. And even when they left, they did a carbon Pesach. So, what do you mean I never told anything about that? That's one of those uh, controversial psukim that all of Farshim climb all over the place to try to reconcile. Because on the face, it's simply not so. So what? And, and, and obviously, you know, um, the, <laughs> the Navi <laughs> knows this. Okay, so what does he mean? Uh, Rashi here in in, in Yermio says, Not So it's, all the Mepharshim are going to go in the same line, which is, although it's it, it doesn't exactly fit with the Pasuk, but it kind of does. The Pasuk, I'll read it again. The Pasuk says, Right? I didn't command them when they left Egypt, your forefathers, about Ola and Zevach. But rather I said, But rather I told you to be from. <laughs> right? Meaning, 
Shimu Bakoli, listen to God's voice, and Balachim Cholder Chasher Zavischem, and Halacha. That's where you get Halacha from. Balachim Cholder Chasher Zavischem. So, I said again, on the face of it, it's not so, because there's plenty about Karbonus. Like I said, the whole Gansa Vayikra is, is, is like that. It ain't the Rambam alone who therefore says Karbonus is B'dievet. It goes back to these kind of prophecies in which it sounds like it's B'dievet. And if it's not a B'dievet, the way everybody gets angry in the Rambam, it's def- definitely not an Iker. Now, many say the Karbonus are an Iker, and there are a million Chazals that say the whole world rests on the Karbonus and so forth and so on. And nowadays we rely on saying Hey, excuse me, Aza McComan and that sort of thing. I get that. I understand that. But there are two, at least two, there are many streams of thought in Judaism. We don't have a single organized, theologically coherent system with a Vatican that lays down the way it should be. We have multiple Vatican's, you know. The Lubavitch will tell you this is the way you have to think. The Satmar will tell you this is the way you have to think. The Kippas Rugal will tell you this is the way you think. You know, that's how it goes. The Yeshiva will certainly tell you how to think. But we have multiple attitudes to work on us. And our Haftar today, which is in the Tzav, is very interesting because it seems to be really putting down the Karbonas. When you left Egypt, I said, what, you're going to make me Am Segula? I said, you know, if Im Shema Tishma Bakoli, but not if you just do the Karbonas. So the problem in plain English was, at the time of Yermio and the others, people didn't do the mitzvahs, but they did do the Karbonas. Okay? Now, I'm, listen closely to what I'm going to say. One of the big misses, of course, and this is very relevant in the time of the prophet Jeremiah, is don't worship other gods. Don't have any other idols. They did. In fact, the references in our Haftorah to the worship of the Queen of Heaven. I think is that a, or is that in a build-up? It's a famous over here. Um, Maybe it's a little earlier over there, where it says that the children go... And the whole family participates in the Malchus Shemayim. That was the popular idol at the time of, um, of what do you call it? Of Yirmiyahu. Ad Kedekach, that, what do you call it? When the Beis was destroyed, and Yirmiyahu says, see, it's all your fault. They say, no, it's all the fault because we stopped worshiping the Queen of Heaven. You see? So, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's like a real problem. Now, they figured like this. Maybe I worship the Queen of Heaven. Maybe I'm a Chal Shabbos. Maybe I do Gil Arayas. But I bring all my Karbonas in the right time. I check the boxes. I bring the Karban Pesach, for example. <clears throat> if I uh, I bring a Chattas and an Ola Shlom, I don't know what they did. You know, stuff like that. Uh, here we are. Yeah, it's old, just the three Sukkim earlier. This in, in Perk Zion. Habani Malakti Meitzim. Ha'avus Mavayr Mesaish. V'hanashim Loshes Botzeik. Lasses Kavanim Lamlecha Shemayim. The whole family was getting involved, not in preparing Shalchmanis, but for worshipping the Melechaz HaShemayim, the Queen of Heaven, which was the popular deity at that time. Again, Habonim locked him. It was a family affair. The children were sent out to gather the wood, like you do now for Lagbomer. The fathers would run the fire for the carbon. The women would bake chalas to offer to this idol. And they would offer nesach, um, you know, I mean, wine libations and things like that. So, in other words, again, the the whole system of carbonus <coughs> had degenerated, and that's why you have all this strong rhetoric over here, right? I command them to listen to me. Velo shama lo hitis. Oznam says our thing, 
they went the wrong way. So basically, it's been a screw up from day one. Okay, that's quite a, a statement. And I remind you, this is a Navi talking. Notice Hashem put these words in his mouth. So he did, or at least the idea in his mouth. He's not making it up. Okay, so he's basically saying that Carbonus, ooh, has not worked. It should work. And theoretically, it does work. And all those things that we talk about, like the Ramban says it's vicarious, or all the all the reasons for the Carbonus. And there are famous reasons. Yes, it does work when you have a tzaddik. Twink <laughs> it. You know, when those, when it's the right time, the right place, the right kavana, and all the rest of it. And when you and I learn the Gemaras and the Mishnahis, all the rest of it, it's always brought at the proper level. They're dealing with the halachas of the Carbonus. They're dealing with the right way, the protocol, the right way it's supposed to go. No, okay. If you have somebody who does it the right way, and he does it like the Ramban or something like that, in a Hanami. You know, he says, that could be my blood, that could be my fat. You know, we, we all know that. But most people didn't do it like that. That's the point to get across. Most people didn't do it like that. That's what our Haftorah tells us today. It's a matter of history. I mean, that's quite a statement he made. He said, You've been messing this up since the day one, even though you've been doing Karbonah since day one. And I send you many novies to tell you the right way to do it. And it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter. And even says, why don't you take a, a, a Moser Haskell from the uh, Shiloh? It's a little bit earlier. You know, I destroyed Shiloh. In other words, the place, just because you bring carbon to help. Moreover, moreover, people say, or used to say, that... Um, the existence of the base of Migdash itself is like God's house. And as a result, Yerushalayim is impervious, invulnerable. And no matter what Averis we do, the city can never fall. And it ain't true. It just ain't true. You see? And um, let's put it this way. the By the time you get to Arhaf Torah, which is late in the first temple period, time of Yirmiyo, he says, and I want you to listen to this, that the carbonic system has degenerated in many ways. Not only has it degenerated into a replacement for mitzvahs or a justification for worshiping other idols as well, as long as I take care of my Besamikdash carbonus offerings, there's no trouble with offering carbonus to other idols as well. Not only did it screw up in that fashion, <coughs> but the very concept of sacrifice became degenerated and perverted ad kedekach that in Yerushalayim they were doing human sacrifices. Okay? They're doing human sacrifices. And that's in our Torah today. He said they put their abomination in the temple. They built tofish shrines in the valley of Ben-Hinom. Where's the Pesach over here? Ki osu b'nei Yehuda rabbi Hashem shamu shikotzeim babayis hashenikro shmit l'tamo They put all kind of disgusting things in the base of Mikdush itself, which is one of the reasons the base of Mikdush is destroyed, because they screwed up the base of Mikdush. So that's number one. And number two, And they've set up in Gay Ben Hinom, this is where you get the idea of Gehenna from. There's actually a place in Yerushalayim, <laughs> the Begin Museum is there, by the way. Uh, it's a valley of a guy named Ben Hinom, uh, and for whatever reason, 
that was the popular spot to have the um, the uh, burning at the stake. Uh, and their own children. And I said like this, you're offering, so let's, let's put it this way, in a perverted, screwed up sense of carbonos, a person like this, I should really be saved. You know why? Till now, they were just offering animals. Bulls, cows, you know, birds. I'm offering my kid, my child, my son, my daughter. My son, my daughter. A guy has five, six, seven, eight children. Take one of them and offer the carbon. Therefore, I'll get straight in heaven. After all, I offered God my most precious item. What's more precious than a child? So as a result of that, I show I'm really from. Where'd you get that from? I should learn CV Islam. Below us, I'll leave you. I never, I should like this. I never, I never asked for that. Okay. And I'll tell you right now, that place would be a spot when the Babylonians come in, they will massacre the Jews. That the enemy will massacre. Maybe this is referring to Nebuchadnezzar's story. I don't know. Uh, I have to look that up. But the, but, but, but the point is like this. This place where you offered of your own volition human sacrifices, not only Jewish boys and Jewish girls were shechted and burned. I mean, I hope they were shechted and burned by their parents. Who knows? Maybe they burned them alive. You, you have no idea. Once you get into this kind of cult situation, that people are nuts. You understand? <clears throat> uh, Tophis is a place of burning. It's one of the words for hell. We have many words in Judaism for hell. Aleka, Tophis, uh, Gehenna, and this, that, and the other. But this, it comes from here. Okay? It comes from here. And um, what do you call it? And, there's a, 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 and, you know, Rashi has a whole explanation of it. Hu HaMolech. And basically, it's an idol like from a Tarzan movie. You have a big idol with his hands sticking out. So it's not even what I said. It's not you shecht and burn him. You take the kid, put him, put him into a metal, into the arms of an idol made out of metal, and it heats up and it burns that way. And the kid's screaming because he's burning, burned slowly by the hot metal. And they bang the drums so you shouldn't hear it. So basically, let's put it this way. This is why we call it Gehenna. Because, I'm serious, Be, from this uh, uh, prophecy, because obviously heaven and hell are not physical. You're dead already, right? So it's Ruchnius. And as the Raman points out many times, you know, we, we don't really know what goes on in a Ruchnius type of situation. We, we, we say, we believe it is a metaphysical reality, but it can't be described in physical terms because it's not physical. It's not your goof. Okay? What exactly is being burned, and what does it mean by burning, is a very complex business. If you wanted to go in great detail, I think it's a little confusing, but if you want in great detail, you read the Ramban, what's it called? The Shar uh, HaGamul. Well, he goes into great detail, his theories about it. But obviously, you and I understand, even if we're dummies, that it's something real bad, <laughs> right? Like they say, all the pleasures of the world isn't equal one second of heaven, and all the pain, uh, tortures in the world isn't equal to one, sec- one second of hell. And remember, I use the word second. It's not, we're talking about a Messias, where there's no time or space. It's metaphysical. But nevertheless, it's real. So there is schar onish. 
for the schar, we say, The eye cannot even conceive the schar. Well, the same kind of applies for the other way around, that the eye cannot conceive the exact nature of the punishment that happens to the neshama, or whoever it is, once a person is dead and gets his punishment. But on the other hand, as is true always with philosophy, it's too unsatisfactory simply to say, Cat said you can't imagine it, so don't think about it. And so as a result, it's, it's totally understandable that people have come up with ideas of what heaven is like and what hell is like, even though, as they always say, you have to have a little asterisk there and say it's not really this way, but it's a, it's a little bit of an idea. So in heaven you say that Siddiquim are sitting with crowns and all this kind of business, they're dancing, and the, or if you prefer, there's the Yeshiva Shalmail upstairs with a base manager, you know, whatever kind of thing you do, as long as you pinch yourself and put an asterisk and say none of this is literal. Same thing for the other way around. When you get down to hell, so it's bad. It's not enough to say it's beyond their Hasaga. And so they came up with Gehenim, that you burn in hell, right? You say, oh, this guy's going to burn in hell. There's no burning, get it? There's no fire. LMI, you get it from here. The closest they could come up with, based on something that they had observed in life, in this horrible era in Jewish history, which is recorded in our Torah today, in which you had, like I say, burning alive kids, or it's worse than burning, right? Because it's a hot metal, you know? So you die in super agony, and meanwhile they're burning, the, 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 the drums are, are, are pounding, so that's what happens to you if you're a sinner. Now again, it's like with a pinch and an asterisk. It's not exactly that way because it's it's spiritual, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> so you say the guy's going to burn in hell. You say you're going to Gehenna. Meaning you're going to a, you're going to end up in a situation like that. So let's put it this way: If I told you for your avarus that you don't repent for, you're going to end up going somewhere, and they're going to put you in a metal uh, box, and it's going to heat up, and you're going to scream in agony forever while they're screaming and beating the drums, you say, no, no, no. And it's worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's actually worse than that. It's actually worse than that. They say, oh my God. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. So this Haftarah, therefore, is very vivid in this particular regard. And he goes and blasts them and so forth. And as I said before, he says that the place now where you're doing these things will be a spot of massacre. So I take that to mean when the Babylonians or somebody come in, they're just going to kill tons and tons of people over there. Um, and it'll be, if I can use the term, a kind of mita kenegan mita, sort of. Right? A certain type of mita kenegan mita. Uh, but it's going to be pretty bad. And he ends this uh, particular prophecy with the reverse of what we do at a chasana. In a chasana, we say, call so some, but call simcha, call odishama, bari yehuda, call so some, call simcha. Well, guess what? How does this prophecy, and he knows that, by the way. So the prophecy says, It's the reverse. Instead of, It's no, lo od Or as he puts it, I will cause a shrisa, a ceasing. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's pretty heavy. Obviously, right? That that's that that's, that's pretty heavy. Now, um, the Rambam, and I'll just call attention to this in uh, the Guide for the Perplex three thirty two. That's where he has his criticism about the Carbonus. He ain't making it up. You see, 
He's just trying to understand where exactly is the location of the carbonus in the Jewish system. And again, it's it's a part three, chapter thirty-two, and it's too long to read the whole thing, although somebody should. But I just want to read a relevant part, and after you know speculating on this and that and the other, he says, Of course, I'm reading a translation. It's Ibn Ibn translation. Um, but when the Rambam says when it, when it comes to carbonus, carbonus. He's comparing and contrasting carbonus on the one hand with davening on the other. Remember, according to the Rambam, there is a mitzvah in a Torah to daven, not the formal way we do it, and not with a minion, and not the you know with the with the exact nusach, but there is a, a a din of davening. That means that Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jewish people two things: A and B. He told them a whole carbonus system, but he also told them to daven. Now. Uh, What's going on over here? He says the carbonos are tied kavanashnia, meaning they're kind of like historically connected. The other thing, davening, is closer to bringing you to Hashem. And to indicate that, the Rambam argues here in the Mordebuchim, um, God drew a sharp distinction. Between the two, but who? When it comes to the carbonus, which are commanded, and that's what Parshas Tzav is all about. Okay, Alpha B Shemlishmo. Even when they're from carbonus, the Rambam observes very interestingly that when it comes to carbonus which were given at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, they had a, what's the right word, a tzimtzum kind of aspect to them. They reduced the options for bringing carbonus pretty radically. Until then, before the carbonus were commanded in the Torah, uh, you, you could do it anytime, place. And there was no specific place you could do it to the exclusion of others. In other words, you could have bombas. And there was nobody who couldn't do it, men or women. So the whole direction of the legislation that you find in the Chumash is to limit that. You can't do it any time in any place. You, not everybody can do it. And it can't be in any one place or any house you set up or all that restaurant. It has to be No, only based in Mishnah, nowhere else. And it has to be a Kohen. And that sort of thing. So the entire general nature of the carbonus, like Parshas Vayikra and Sav, there's an exact way of doing an Olo, there's an exact way of doing a Mincha, any deviation from it can mess the whole thing up. Just think, for example, the laws of what he called Pigol, or something like that, just the wrong Moshavah can screw the whole thing up, you know, or the wrong Zerika. And of us, you learn, when you learn Kachim, you know, it has to be done exactly that way. That was not the way it was with the Bamos. They didn't have that kind of thing. Oh, if you had Machshav and Zerika and all the rest of it, you did a garbage. You have an animal, big deal. Right? And now in the Chumash, everything is, is, is different. So the Rambam argues, That's all to limit and reduce the use of carbonus. Um, and reduce it down to the minimal level you know, prescribed by God.
However, by contrast, when Hashem says in Chumash that there's a mitzvah of davening, there are no limitations. It's for everybody. It could be any time and any place. He says those words at the beginning of Villa. And, uh, you know, in other words, there's no such thing as... Uh, I'll give you an example. Suppose I made a rule. Suppose Hashem said, you're only allowed to daven in a synagogue. That'd be very interesting. Right? And to make a synagogue, there are special rules and regulations. That would make life a lot tougher. Okay? And, you know, and the services have to be led by a Kohen Milchus. That would be quite a limited. We don't have anything like that. And the same thing with the other Tariq Mitzvahs. You see? So in other words, yes, there are Karbonas, but the Karbonas are in a, uh, a limited way. They're important. And I told you elsewhere, the Ram talks about the importance of the Karbonas spiritually, metaphysically, blah, 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 all the rest of that. But nevertheless... The whole trend of the Chumash is to is to limit it. Because otherwise, if it's not limited, it gets out of hand. The Karbanas assume an out, a, a, a too large proportion in one's Judaism. I'll say it again. They, 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 they become too big a role in what Yiddishkeit is. And they only have their assigned place. They're not the main thing in Yiddishkeit. That's his point. And because of this, the Ramam goes on to say, you find a lot of Haftaras like ours today in the Nevi'im, that the Nevi'im blessed the Jewish people for being over-hyper on the Karbonus. And these prophets tell the Jews, you don't doing it right. Like the prophet Samuel said in last week's Haftar, Parsha Zohar, and Yeshayo said, And then he quotes our Haftar today. Right? And the Ramam says, And the Ramam says, I know many Mepharshim, probably means the Ibn Ezra, or have a kashanis. What do you mean to command them? Of course you did. Rove mitzvahs have to do with Karbonis, meaning the book of Ayikor takes up a very large proportion of the Tariq mitzvahs. But rather, the kavana is along the lines that I just said. The ikar is to have one God to be masig me and not worship other gods. And when it comes to the mitzvah of karbanis, you're going to get involved because all the other people used to do carbonus. You'll get involved in their kind of carbonus, and that won't be good. But 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 it's only to bavorn, not to follow the other carbonus systems, the other gods. But you, says the prophet Jeremiah in our Haftar today, 
you got rid of the tachlis. In other words, the whole point of the carbonus is to wean you away from worshiping others, wean you away from other carbonus systems. Doesn't mean, like the critics will say, that it's time bound, but it's to wean you away from other carbonus systems. And instead, you, you were mechazig yourselves in the thing it was supposed to replace. Now, as we went for Avodah like it says, and so on and so forth. And the Rambam actually has a longer um, piece on this, going to the end of the parsha, the end of this uh, chapter, and Mernabuchim is actually quite interesting, but I see I'm over, over at 30 minutes. I try to set myself a time. So if you're interested at all, what I said today, it's more of an intellectual thing, you will take the trouble to look up the Mernavuchim, uh, part 3, chapter 32, um, and you'll see kind of, especially the second half of the chapter, and you'll see kind of a very interesting way the Rambam lays it out and his interpretation of of Biyom Hotzi Osam Eretz Mitzrayim, because basically he says like this, the Olo Zevach, or the regular carbonus that you find in Vayikra. None of that is in the day they left Egypt. The day they left Egypt was Karm Pesach. Karm Pesach has a completely different character. Okay? Karm Pesach has a different character, and you know what it's for, and it's historically specific, and blah, blah, blah. So if you're interested, you'll take a look at it there. But there's no question that this Haftar was choose, chosen as food for thought. When you read Parshish Tzav, again, Vayikra and Tzav are the ideal. Okay? They're the ideal. They're the way it's supposed to be, the exact dinim. And when you are a brisker and you learn kachim, you know, you, you make the mistake, possibly, of thinking that's how people always did it. Um, not in the Bayes Rishon period. Uh, in the Bayes Rishon period, people did, you know, whatever the Kohen did in the base of Migdash, which is what kachim and Tyrus and all is all about, doesn't mean that's what the Hamun Am did. And it doesn't take into account, yeah, Maybe you're worried about Piggle and all this when you go to the base of Midas carbon. But a day later, you go to the uh, Baal or Asherah carbon, and then you don't have to worry about Piggle at all. In uh, Bayashani, things were better. Uh, but that's too uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get too far afield. So anyway, with that, I want to send this off in time. People can listen if they're interested um, for the Haftorah of, uh, of this week. Once again, I want to thank Rabbi Schwartzberg uh, for his sponsoring. And uh, with that, I wish you all good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.